Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For the word of God in scripture for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thanks be to God. What on earth is Jesus talking about? Whoever loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. It's even stronger in Luke, the same uh, sentiment where Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, sisters, and yes, even his own life, cannot be my disciple. What are we going to do with it? Well, Jesus could be being fanatical, which we're not really keen on, unless it's to do with sport. Um, We don't like fanaticism at all. Um, We're not really sure... We've seen enough of it. The 20th century was full of fanatics. And some might say that we've got leaders in power in various parts of the world who are of the same ilk. It's ugly. Well, most scholars claim that Jesus was being hyperbolic. That hyperbole is that idea of over-exaggerating a claim that you're making. It's amplifying it. And it was a great rhetorical technique in the ancient world. Um, Pliny and other people uh, wrote about how to be a good orator, how to tell good stories, how to engage a crowd. And one of the things they talk about was using hyperbole, going way over the top, amplifying. It was understood. So it's understood that Jesus is not calling for hatred of family so much as amplifying the call to put God first. So... We, we, can, we can understand that. In fact, many times Jesus clashes with the religious, religious authorities, particularly the Pharisees, where he says to them, you take the money that should be used to care for your parents and you're using it to big note yourself in the church. That's our translation of it, in the synagogue. And he was critical of that. So, you know, if you take it as literal which no Jew in their right mind ever would. They understood Jesus using hyperbole. And it's important to understand the situation Jesus is talking about, that the family in the first century was was the centre of all life. If you've had a look at the notes I put in this week's 
Clayton that I mentioned something about that, the idea that the family represented the totality of the unchanging structures of life. It gave you all the things you needed to be the human being that you were. Your identity, your role, your purpose and security in life is all provided for you. Jesus is in one sense saying to these people, remember they're the disciples that he's talking to, possibly the 12, more likely a a larger group, maybe the 72, or we don't know how many there really were. Jesus is saying you put God first before all of the certainties and structures in your life. Put God first before the meaning that we invest in our lives by the things that make our lives, by our relationships, by our identities. Which sounds great. And I've heard this many times. Why does it actually mean? I can put you first, and lots of people do this. My parents did this for me for years. Particularly my mother when I was a baby. Put me first above her own sleep. Above her own um, needs. She knew that if she didn't feed me when I needed to be fed, I wouldn't survive. This is not new. This is how you all got here. Because somebody did that for you, mother or carer. Over and over for years, I still remember a day when I turned off the lights in my child's room when they were in their cot really small, I don't know which one. And I suddenly had this flash. You know, my parents were paying the electricity bill for me for years before I had any idea what electricity was. And as my kids got older, I realised why my parents yelled at me all the time, to turn off the lights! Because I was doing the same thing. But I just had that moment of of appreciation that they had done this selflessly. They hadn't complained, nor had they told me how much the electricity bill was each month. And as a young kid, I wouldn't have understood that anyway. But they did it, and here I was doing the same thing. We know how to give ourselves selflessly to other people. But God isn't present like other people. And it can all seem very esoteric and very sort of spiritual and um, I give my life to God. And What does it actually mean? What does it look like day to day? Well, the story of Pentecost, remember that we only had a few weeks ago while we were still in lockdown completely. The story of Pentecost is God, the story of God being in human beings. That's what it boils down to. God inside Humanity. So God is present in the world all the time in everyone around us. And if we listen to Paul, and particularly in the first part of Romans, God is present in everything that God made. Not just the human beings, but the animals and the plants. You can see why Buddhists and some Christian orders have taken themselves to the point where they don't want to hurt anything in creation. And as best they can, they try and avoid her. Why people become vegetarian, why people become vegan, all kinds of reasons. People do it for all sorts of reasons too, to do with health. But they, there's this religious aspect that God is present in everything. That each of the people around us, if the story of Pentecost has any meaning at all, each of the people around us is alive, a living version of, a reflection of God. Not only are the people around us, but I am too, and so are you. That the essence of each of us is this extraordinary 
element of God, which is something why, why John goes on about in his gospel, and we had that poem from the very beginning of John, goes on and on about the light. The light being present in the world and the light being, as it, we, we find out later in John, is present in each of the disciples, in each of the people that Jesus is with. You see, Jesus drove people crazy in his culture because he either was too stupid or too stubborn as to treat people the way they're supposed to be treated. There's a hierarchy. There's a way things are supposed to be done. The emperor's at the top and children at the bottom. And you don't mess with that. You do your best to get around it, and if you're at the bottom, you try and work, work around it as best you can. And you're kind to people. Sure, you should be kind to people. But you don't mess with the system. <clears throat> Everything is different when Jesus comes along. He actually treats people as if they're all the same. When his disciples want to get on with something important and there's kids everywhere, Jesus says, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Just bring the kids. They're all involved. Everybody. He just messes with the thing the whole time. He actually believes that every person present with him is filled with the light of God. And so he lives that way. No wonder they had to get rid of him. He honestly was messing everything up. We don't want that kind of thing. What if we were to do that here? This week is Refugee Week. What if we were to treat refugee people, people who've come here because they needed to escape horrors in their own place, some of us in, in the, with us today, if we treated everyone as if they were full of the light of God? So when they get here, after all sorts of trauma, we open the door and welcome them. It's that simple. That's the story of Pentecost. That's what it means to be present to God because God is present in us. It means you being alive in my mind. I'm thinking about what is good for you. What would be good in this situation? You know, one of the problems I always have is when it's time for me to give a birthday present to somebody in my family, I think, oh my God, I don't know what they want. Because I haven't thought about them enough. I'm not aware of, you know, the kind of music they've suddenly gotten into or the kind of food they really like or the sort of books they're reading at the moment or the colour that they really like when they wear a particular... And I think to myself, oh my God, I'm, I'm, I'm walking in a... I mean, I'm like sleepwalking through my life. Here's these people that I love, whether it's my granddaughter who turned eight two days ago or my partner or my dad... And I, I kind of feel, what am I doing? I should know something more than just sitting here going, oh my God, what am I going to get? It's in two days. Which is my normal response to birthdays. <laughs> because I haven't got to, if somebody asks me, hey, it's your birthday, what do you want? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so I might not be that much better about my own life. I might not be that much better about seeing within my own self the light of God. And I've, I've often said to, to in, in this context, if you were to treat other people the way you sometimes treat yourself, you'd just about get arrested for the terrible things that you say to yourself frequently when it's not true. Or I'm going to stop there because there's so much more we could explore about this, but it's just this, it's this extraordinary idea that God is present in the world, in you, and in the people around you. 
That's just that's enough to floor you for the rest of the day, I reckon. Thanks, Peter.